Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Father, we want to thank you for your presence in this place this morning. Thank you that this is a holy moment, that we're together in your presence. Thank you that you are already speaking to us. We thank you for your spirit moving us and stirring our hearts this morning. And we pray, Father, that over the next few minutes, that everything that I say, Father God, will come from your heart. We want to pray, Father, that you would speak to us. We want to pray that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see what you are seeing, and hearts that are moved and touched by, and if necessary, broken by that which moves, touches, and breaks your heart. So, Father, as we've just sung, for the next few minutes, we want to say, here we are, Lord. Speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, I want to speak to you about sharing the love of God. We've been talking for a long time about making room for God. This this fits into the same theme, although my thinking is a little different this morning. And I've got quite a few scripture verses to read to you, so... Siobhan will be putting them up on the screen for us. And I want to start this morning in Psalm 92, from verses 13 to 15. And it says this, Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh, or in other words, full of sap and flourishing. Let's pause there for a moment. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish They shall bear fruit. Even in old age, they shall be full of sap and flourishing. Doesn't that paint a beautiful picture of, you know, a tree planted by a riverbank, something that is well fertilized, planted in the house of the Lord where the the master cares for and he fertilizes and he prunes and he takes care of his plants. And he says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord, in the fellowship of God, not only in the kingdom but within spiritual families, shall flourish They shall grow. They shall bear fruit. It's a wonderful story. And I want to ask you this morning, as we've been singing, as you think back on your story, as you think back on your journey with God, what lengths has God gone to to show His goodness and His faithfulness to you? What lengths has God gone to? I mean, we start with Jesus. That's our our default. He sent His only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Sure, Jesus died for us. And we have salvation through him, through which we have hope and joy. And we experience the grace of God. But these very often seem like very generic things. You have a story of how God has come through for you. Of how he pulled you out of darkness. Maybe he brought you out of depression or brokenness. Maybe he brought you out of poverty. Maybe he brought you out of isolation and loneliness and brought you into a family. He, he took you from being an orphan and made you a son or a daughter. I mean, I think of, I was spending some time obviously meditating on this. And apart from Jesus, one of the greatest gifts God gave to me was a spiritual mother and a father. I owe so much to them. I would not be who I am today if it weren't for them. I wouldn't be married to the woman I'm married to if it weren't for them. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. It's actually all their fault. (laughs) 
But I am so grateful to God for the gift that He gave me in my spiritual mom and dad because I see through that gift how He has worked in and through my life. His goodness, His kindness, His provision, His grace. And that's just one example. I've seen His provision so many times come through for me. I've seen His loving kindness pick me up when I'm broken, when I don't understand. I've sensed His grace when I've needed to forgive and haven't wanted to. And as I've engaged with Him and journeyed with Him, I have a testimony of of His grace. And you do too. You have a testimony of His kindness, of His faithfulness to you through the years, again and again and again. Why is it that God is so good and so kind to you and I? Is it just because He loves you? Yes. (laughs) That wasn't a trick question. Yes, it's just because He loves you. You see, it's not earned. It's not something we generate. It's not something we can manipulate. God's kindness and His faithfulness is extended towards us simply because He loves us. If this is what God has done for you and I simply because He loves us, how is it that we can demonstrate our love to Him? You see, verse 15 of this same portion of Scripture, although it speaks of this one who's been planted, has experienced this grace, who is flourishing as a result of the presence of God being in their life. And he says this, to declare that the Lord is upright, He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in Him. He who is planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish, shall bear fruit, shall be full of life, And what for? Shall to declare. He shall declare. He will say, this is what the Lord has done for me. You see, folks, when we talk about sharing the love of God, when we talk about bringing people into the kingdom of God, it's called generally evangelism. We, We share this good news of the gospel, and we tell people about the loving kindness of God. But I want to say to you today that evangelism or reaching out to people or winning souls for the kingdom of God, which the Bible says is the wise who win souls for the kingdom. It's more than just getting people to say a simple prayer. It's more than just telling people, okay, if you say these words and you accept Jesus, you'll be there, and then that's, that's just it. It goes beyond that. It is about sharing and inviting them into your lived experience. You see, we've just spoken about all the wonderful things God has done for us. I've shared a little bit of my story, just a few little highlights. There's so much more I could say. And it's good that you are familiar with and remind yourself regularly about all the things that God has done for you. Why? So that we can share them with others. So that we can, through our testimony, invite them into our lived experience. Acts 1 verse 8 says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and by that Holy Spirit, by that wonderful gift, you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What is the witness? A witness is somebody who declares what they've experienced. In a courtroom, a witness is somebody you bring, because they witnessed something, they experienced something pertinent to the case or to the matter at hand. They were perhaps an eyewitness or they, they, they will tell of what happened. We, we get this witness to tell of how events unfolded according to their perspective. So what a witness gives is a sworn testimony. A sworn testimony. Amen? And that is what you and I have. A testimony. A story. A recollection of the things that God has done 
for you and for me. And do you know that your testimony has a purpose? The Bible says that they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. It wasn't just by the blood of Jesus. It wasn't some ethereal thing that happened 2,000 and something years ago, and it's, it's, it's a distant thing, and it's a, perhaps a historic fact or, or some kind of reality that is ethereal. In other words, it's out there, but it isn't applicable to me. I overcome by the blood of the Lamb and my testimony of how that blood, how that sacrifice has made a difference in my life. There's actual evidence that I can testify of. You see, the purpose of our testimony of what Jesus has done in our lives is to prophesy into someone else a potential future for them. Listen to what Revelations 19 verse 10, the the second part of the verse says this. Worship God. What does worship God mean? Tell of who He is. Speak of His greatness. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. This is why it's so important to give ourselves to the Word of God, because the Word of God, the testimony of of what Jesus did, it prophesies to us of a potential reality. And I want to say that your testimony prophesies to those around you what God can do. Because if God did it for you, He can do it for them too. You see, how does this work? It works in in the sense of I am in my workplace and I hear of somebody that is sick or they have a child or a spouse that is sick or struggling. And I can say, you know what, when I was sick, I prayed and God healed me. Or when I was sick, or I know somebody who when he was sick, he came to church and the guys there, the people at church, they prayed for him and he got healed. Can I pray for you? Because I still believe God heals. Why? Because I have a testimony of that. When somebody's been hard done by at work and the, ju- and, and the boss has been unfair, unreasonable, and he shouted at them and he's shamed them publicly, and somebody's now embarrassed and angry and frustrated, you can come to them and say, you know what? There was a time when I went through what you're going through, but God showed me how to forgive. He showed me that he wants to fight this battle on my behalf if I will just entrust it to him. And as I did that, God turned things around for me And in the process of time, I received promotion. And that person stayed right where they are. I released them to the Lord, and that anger no longer had a hold on me. Suddenly, what God did in my heart and my life can become very real in somebody else's heart and life. This is not about me walking into my workplace with my Bible, ready to read a scripture to somebody, or or the next, you know, preach at them, or hit them over the Bible, uh, over the head with the Bible, Although, you know, you might want to do that to your boss, it's, it's not recommended. You're not going to win many souls that way. Um, but you might get a few souls in prison for doing that. The point is this. I am listening. I'm going about my day just engaging with other people. I'll give you another example. This is a true story. I, I, I dropped my child off for a play date for one of her friends, and as I'm dropping her off, her father's reversing out of the garage. He gets out of the car. He's had a rough week at work. And I said, you know, is everything all right? And he talks for a little bit, and he says, man, we just need more love. Everybody's so harsh. Everything's just so rough out there. I, I think we all just need a little bit more love. And I was like, wow. 
what an invitation. Can we go for coffee? Because I'd like to tell you about love. And we've had a few coffees since. And I will keep having coffees with this person. They're pre-saved. <laughs> but we'll get them there. I'm praying for that person regularly. Regularly. Why? Because God opened a door for me there. He just needs love. He's in a rough spot. He doesn't know that love just walked into his life. I'm not talking about me. I'm not the love of his life. <laughs> but I carry Jesus. God is love. And I'm going to walk with this guy, and I'm going to keep loving him unconditionally. And as I have opportunities, because I'm talking with him, and he's sharing about his bosses, and I'm saying, well, why don't you think of it this way? And I'm sharing with him about this thing and that thing that happened. You know, this is what happened for me. This is how I dealt with that. He was saying the other day about all these stresses and all these anxieties he has, and he says to me, what about you? I says, I don't carry those things. I, I, I give them somewhere else. And he was kind of like, but all these opportunities are coming again and again and again, and I'm praying for this person, and I'm trusting for their soul. Why? Because I have a lived experience in God that this person is crying out for even though they don't know it. Your experience of what Jesus has done ought to prophesy into the lives of others what is possible in the midst of their situation. Folks, there's a world out there that is hurting. This man had the, had the wherewithal to just call it out and say, man, we need more love. I need more love in my life. And we all do. There are so many people out there who are lonely, isolated. They've got people all around them. They're working. They're, they're surrounded by people all day. But they're lonely. They're alone. They have, there's no value in and of themselves. Psalm 66, verse 16, it's one of my favorite verses. It says this, Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will declare what He has done for my soul. I will testify, and in so doing, I will prophesy of what God is able to, to do for you. Isn't that powerful? This isn't about knowing every verse in the Bible. It's good to learn Scripture. This isn't about having a three-point sermon ready in your back pocket, although it's good to be prepared in season and out of season. This is simply you revealing the truth of God's nature, of His loving kindness to those around you by sharing the story of how God's, God's love and His goodness has touched and changed your life. Nobody can take your story away from you, folks. Nobody can take your experience away from you because it's real and it's lived. And people can have all kinds of different ideas about God. Oh, God is this, God is that. I once said to someone, you know what? If I said to you, your wife was a mean person, and she, she's a gossip monger, and she, she's, she's just... There's so many words we could use that I won't. Would you believe me? He said, no, of course not. I know what my wife is like. I said, exactly. You see, I have an experience of what God is like. And you have an experience of what God is like, which goes beyond a mental understanding. It's deep, deep knowing because He has moved in and touched and changed our lives. 
And our story of what God has done for us is what reveals to others and begins to open to them what the nature of God is truly like. Psalm 68 verse 6 says this, A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary or the lonely in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. Folks, how many solitary, lonely people do you and I encounter every day? Sometimes you just need a smile. The Bible says God sets them in families. No, he doesn't set them in churches. He sets them in families. What is a family? We spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. An environment where everyone has unconditional love. They have a place of belonging. They have chores. (laughs) They have home. He sets them into a family. What is a family? A family is relationships. It's not a place. Into rich, wonderful relationships. It's an environment that they can be loved and cared for. And I want to say to you folks, we have a blessed and a gracious spiritual family to invite others into. I am so often amazed by the grace of our spiritual family. One of the ways grace is demonstrated is in our diversity. With no one, I, I, no one is enforcing their cultural norm on anybody else here. It's beautiful. Grace is expressed by me willing to, to rub shoulders with and, and have rich, deep, personal, intimate fellowship with those who are in a, a different social sphere to me, whether that be financially whether that be ethnically. And God brings these wonderful people together. We have a wonderful spiritual family. The Bible says we have been placed here, and we are a place for the lonely to come and to find the kind of relationship that you and I get to enjoy. Now, yes, the rebellious won't experience this. The rebellious are those who just want to continue doing their own thing. And there are many who will reject God. There will be many who reject your invitation. There will be many who scoff at your testimony and your story. They're more concerned with their own well-being than they are with the plans and purposes of God. But folks, the sad reality is that even believers can become rebellious. We see it over and over again in the nation of Israel. Even believers who come to church every week, they're happy to receive the benefits of the family, but they're not invested in the family's well-being. And the result is that they think they are being blessed week after week by what they hear and what they receive. But when you look back at their lives, you can see there's very little spiritual growth because they're not invested, they're not planted, they're no longer giving and serving and contributing to the welfare of, of, of the whole. It's all about them. Well, how can you say that, Michael? They remain fixated on themselves and their own personal well-being, what they want. And God wants... How many songs are there out there today about, yes, God is fighting for me. Is that true? Yes. God's on our side. God's going to do this for me. God's gonna, yes, God is going to do all of those things for you. But that's just the start, right? It's not all about that. You see, when we fail to, to, to share what it is that God has done for us, the power and the grace of that encounter stops with you. Did you ever think about that? If your testimony prophesies to somebody else what God is able to do, 
our lack of sharing our story, our lack of telling people what God has done, causes that gift of that encounter, of that breakthrough, to stop with us. And that's where its influence ends. You see, when God gives you a breakthrough, He gives you more than an answer to prayer. When God answers your prayer, He's giving you more than just what you were looking for. He is giving you a seed. Your answer is both a harvest and a seed. It's a breakthrough and a seed. And God gives you that seed to sow. Sow into the lives of other people to tell of the goodness of what He has done so that they too may experience it. And the harvest that comes from that seed, God attributes to your heavenly account. I mean, isn't He awesome? He answers our prayers. He comes through for us and gives us what we need. And then through that empowers us to sow and to to replicate that same miracle, that same grace in somebody else's life and reap a heavenly reward for doing it in the process. Don't tell me God is not good and that He doesn't long for our blessing. But the problem is that too often I'm so fixated by what it means to me that I forget what it could mean to somebody else. I'm now satisfied because my needs are met. I'm satisfied because my prayer got answered. And that's where it ends. And in some ways, somehow, God therefore becomes this being that exists to meet my needs, to fight for me, to make sure I have a successful life. Folks, we have received so much, so much more than we could possibly imagine, and it's not just for you and for me. God has strategically positioned you right where He wants you to be, in your workplace, in your family, in your friendship circle, so that you can be that light in the darkness, so that you can be that person who tells what God is able to do because God has already done it in you. To speak up, to speak life when everybody around you is speaking death. Such a beautiful example of this came up a few weeks ago, my wife was um, within a group of moms who just all happened to be complaining about their mother-in-laws. My mother-in-law interferes. She complains. She doesn't do... She, oh, she just won't leave us alone. And she has this effect on my, my mom-in-law this and my mom-in-law that. And my wife just sat there quietly. And eventually one of them said to her, you're not saying anything about your one mother-in-law. Why? She says, because I've got nothing bad to say about her. I've got the most wonderful mother-in-law in the world. You... you once, twice, maybe three times a week, she'll phone me and say, come pick up supper on your way home. <laughs> Not because she has to, but that's just what she does. She, she doesn't interfere. She, in our marriage, she, she doesn't... And, and, and sometimes, she, if she's not sure, she'll say, okay, talk to Helen about this. But she's considerate. And so, in essence, my wife said, I've got nothing to... I've only got good things to say about my mother-in-law. I'm blessed. And afterwards I said to her, you should tell my mother-in-law the story. And she phoned her and did. And the next thing, my mom was crying, my wife was crying. And I love you, and I love you, I appreciate you, you're so wonderful. It's beautiful. Beautiful stuff. Powerful stuff. You see, in that moment, where there's just darkness, you can speak words that are of a completely different spirit. I value and appreciate my mother-in-law for this reason, that reason, that reason. Instead of, oh... You and I have so much grace, so much potential to bring light and life and relief to people's hearts. Relief from the weights and the burdens and the heaviness that the world continues to put on us. 
But as long as we're still fixated just on ourselves, we will not recognize the opportunities. And we will not have the boldness to take them. God has placed you for where you are for a reason. And I want to read to you Isaiah chapter 60 as a charge this morning, verses 1 to 3. It says, Arise and shine. Arise and shine. Arise means wake up, dear believers. It means wake up, be aroused from your spiritual slumber, be aroused from your self-centeredness and your self-awareness. Arise and shine. That means smile. That's just a start, but it means smile. It means more than that, but it means smile. Why? For your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. You have a Savior. You have the love of God. You have a testimony of goodness and of kindness and faithfulness. You have been delivered from the power of sin. You have been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. You have an eternal inheritance. You have a home in the Father's heart. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth. Behold means look and see. Look around you in your workplace. Darkness shall cover the earth. Deep darkness, the people. The people are in deep darkness. But the Lord will arise over you, and His glory will be seen upon you. And the Gentiles, those who don't know God, shall come to the brightness of your rising. When you begin to stand and begin to declare your story of what God has done, when you begin to prophesy life and speak words of encouragement and grace into the lives of other people, you become like a shining light, like a magnet that draws people, like a moth to a flame. They will come to you because there's something different about you. I don't feel heavy when I'm around you. I don't feel judged when I'm around you. You accept me as I am something different about you. Folks, you may be the only chance some people have to encounter the love of Jesus. But this reality really needs to settle deep down within our hearts. Our salvation is a wonderful and a beautiful gift given by God, received by grace through faith, but it's intended to go beyond you. There is a world of people around us who God loves passionately and deeply. And He's positioned you in their lives for a reason. I want to read to you a little testimony, a little story. Has anybody heard of a man called Charles Peace? I heard about him many years ago, and when I heard his story, it it really touched my heart very deeply and convicted me very deeply. Let me tell you a little bit about Charles Peace. He was born on the 14th of May, 1832. He was an English burglar and murderer who embarked on a life of crime after being maimed in an industrial accident as a boy. After killing a policeman in Manchester, he fled to his native Sheffield, where he became obsessed with his neighbor's wife, eventually shooting her husband dead. Settling in London, he carried out multiple burglaries before being caught in the, uh, in the prosperous suburb of Blackheath, wounding the policeman who arrested him. 
He was linked to the Sheffield murder and tried in a court sitting in Leeds. Found guilty, he was sentenced to be hanged at Armley Prison. Not a very encouraging story so far, and you're thinking, Michael, where are you going with this? Let me continue. On the morning of this man, Charles Peace's execution, he ate a hearty breakfast of eggs and salty bacon and calmly waited the coming of the public executioner, William Marwood, inventor of the long drop. In other words, the gallows on which he would be hanged. He was escorted on the death walk by the prison chaplain, and you can picture it here. You've got officers most likely escorting the person, probably one on either arm, walking him to the gallows, and behind him is a chaplain dressed in his robes with a book open, and he is reading aloud from the consolations of religion about the fires of hell. And it's at this point when peace, the man who was about to be executed, burst out and said, Sir, if I believed what you and the church of God say that you believe, even if England were covered in broken glass from coast to coast, I would walk over it if need be on hands and knees and think it worthwhile living just to save one soul from an eternal hell like that. Peace was buried in Armley Gale. He was 46 years old at the time of his death. Now, the story doesn't tell us whether or not he converted that day. But his, his realization of the seriousness and the gravitas of the message that you and I carry in our hearts, that touched my heart. That really challenged me. Now, granted, this man was facing his death head on. He knew what was coming, and so that clearly had a profound impact on him in that moment. Can you imagine his mental and his emotional state? But his words are so true. If I believe what you say you believe, I would crawl across all England on my hands and knees if necessary with it covered in glass just to save one soul from that hell that you are talking about. Folks, heaven is real. Hell is real. Hell was not created for you and for me. Hell was created for those who deliberately rebelled against God. Now, the master of that rebellion still does his work today. How? By teaching people to believe a lie that rebellion is not rebellion against God, that you, you can do whatever you want to. This is your life. Live it. Do as you please. There's no consequence for anything anymore, is there? No, folks, one day you and I will all stand before God, and we will give an account. We've just sung about it. I live to hear you say that day, good and faithful servant, welcome, well done. But the Bible tells us harrowing other stories that are so true, where many come before God and they say, oh, didn't we do this for you, and didn't we do that in your name? And he'll turn and say to you, I didn't know you. Depart from me. You who practice lawlessness. In other words, you lived your life as if there was no moral law, as if there was no path preordained for you to walk on. Folks, if this is what you and I truly believe, how can it be that the realities of heaven and hell do not stir us to reach out to those who are around us? How can it be that we keep it to ourselves? How can that be? How is it that we have no desire to share the goodness of God that has literally shaped our lives? 
has the love of self and our satisfaction rendered us utterly numb towards the love of God for others? Maybe we're waiting for them to be worthy. Maybe we're waiting for them to welcome us with open arms. Folks, that's just not how the love of God works. Romans, eight verses, uh, sorry, Romans 5, 6 to 8 says, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely, a righteous man, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone might even dare to die. But God demonstrates his love towards us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And it's this kind of self-sacrificial love that puts others before self that the world is crying out for. It's that kind of serving love that gets underneath, that helps people up, that brings hope into hopeless situations that the world is crying out for. It is the love that you and I have the privilege of experiencing every single day as sons and daughters of God. In absolute acceptance, in absolute liberty, in absolute empowerment by the Holy Spirit. We get to enjoy the love of God every single day but it's also the love that you and I have the privilege of sharing every single day. I want to read to you again in closing Psalm 66, 16. And it simply says this, Come and hear, all you who fear God, and I will declare what He has done for my soul. The one realization that I want you to leave here with today is not some heavy burden that, oh, I have to go and win so many souls and I have to preach the gospel as if it's some kind of thing that you have to earn or some task that needs to be done. What I want you to leave here today with is, number one, a sense of the awareness of the greatness of what God has done for you that your sins are forgiven because of Jesus and that you are accepted in His presence, that He loves you unconditionally. But I also want you to leave with an awareness of the power that your testimony of God's journey with you has to change the life of somebody else. To say to them, I've experienced the love of God. I know what forgiveness is like. I have been set free from my sin, and you can be too. And just the sharing of your testimony can produce faith in the heart of somebody else. I can take you to Scripture after Scripture to demonstrate that to you. I don't have time to do it now. But so often people said, oh, if I, the woman with the issue of blood, if I but touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. Where did that come from? Because she knew that this man was healing people. The testimony of Jesus prophesied her future. And she went and laid hands hands on him and took hold of it. Naaman, healed of leprosy because some servant girl from Israel said, there's a prophet in my country who who serves the living God. And if you go to him, he will be healed. The power and the testimony of her living God repositioned that man and prophesied a potential future which he chose to take hold of. 
and in so doing received his healing. Your testimony carries within it the spirit of prophecy, and I want to encourage you today. Find somebody this week to go and share your story with. How do you do that? Number one, you say, God, I want to pray that you would help me recognize an opportunity. And this is what your opportunity will most likely look like. Oh, I'm struggling with this in your workplace. And suddenly your ears go, hmm? Or, oh, have you heard it's happening with this fuel price or with this government? And you go, hmm? Somebody's in distress. Oh, I'm just struggling. My wife did this. My husband did that. Oh, somebody's in pain. You see where there's pain? Where there's ignorance? I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. Huh? Confusion? These are the dark. This is, these are the things of the darkness. Pain, hurt, confusion, unforgiveness, bitterness, anger, resentment. And all of those things are an opportunity for you and I to say, my friend, can I share something with you? concerning that thing. You don't know the power that you may just be unlocking and releasing into that person's life and situation simply by you taking the opportunity to share the story of what God has done in your life. You don't have to be a pastor to do that. You don't have to have gone to theological seminary. All you have to do is have an encounter with God. And if you're sitting here this morning and you've been a believer for any length of time, you have numerous encounters with God to share. And so I want to challenge you this morning. As we've sung, Lord, send me. All you have to do is say, Father, let me recognize the opportunity. And I will take it. I will simply share what God has done for me. And see what God will do. You see, it's not up to you to save anybody, folks. You can't do it. Only Jesus can. It's not up to you to heal anybody. It's not up to you to deliver anybody. You can't do it. Only Jesus can. But it is up to you to introduce them to the one who can. And to bring his presence into that situation by a simple word of simply saying, can I pray for you? Can I share with you what God did for me? And suddenly, through your words, the power of God is activated into a situation to produce faith and to prophesy and to bring into perspective a potential reality outside the realms of current probability. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that wonderful? So would you stand with me this morning? And if what I've touched you has resonated with your heart today, I want to lead you in a prayer. So where you are with your head bowed, this is between you and God, but I want to lead you in a prayer A prayer of activation. A prayer of awakening. Father, as we stand in your presence, Lord, we we recognize your word to us today saying, arise and shine. For your light has come upon us, Lord God. We have the very life of God dwelling within these earthen vessels. And I want to thank you for that this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your blessed Holy Spirit that enables us to be led by by God, that enables us to experience life in the Spirit, that enables us to experience joy and peace in the midst of suffering and confusion. And Lord, here we are this morning.
we are convicted, Father God, that we, for the way in which we have been enjoying this peace without very much concern for those who do not even understand what it is like. So if that is you this morning, I want you to pray this prayer with me. My Father God, I thank you for your love shed abroad in my heart. I thank you for the testimony that you have given me of your goodness, your faithfulness, and your kindness year after year. As I go about my week, would you help me to recognize opportunities to share my testimony with those around me? I pray, Father God, that as I share, grace will be released for others to come to faith in you. I stand before you this morning and I say, here I am, recipient of your grace. I give you permission to use me as you please. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.